Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, huge news out of the US with three big TV players sacked. Why you shouldn't believe all the denials you're hearing about the future of Hot Seat and the host of the 7.30 report, Sarah Ferguson, well, she'll be our special guest. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. Why, it's TV Black Box, of course. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cosy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there, I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight on Twitter while it's still there. David Robinson, I'm now unverified. Oh, can don't, you believe it? Don't even talk to me about it. You know, I, I woke up and I looked and I that's not right. That's not right. I'm not verified. I'm not a person. I'm not a human. It really actually hurt. What I am excited about, though, is talking to Sarah Ferguson tonight. I'm very mm. much looking forward to that. Can't wait to uh, meet mm. her. Well, let's see if you can get a word in. Yeah. Uh, Abby- <laughs> Yes. Abby Nicholson is well the TV Black Box producer. Hello, Abby. Hello, Rob. Hello, everyone. Um, I just want to acknowledge the Aboriginal land that I'm recording on today, which is the Karingai land. And so I would like to pay my respects to their elders past and present. And it's a tip of the hat to the viewers advocate, Steve Mulk, who said there would be a deal, a settlement done. I was Ooh. dubious. I knew Fox wanted to, but I thought Dominion would hold out. Mulk, you were right. Good evening, Rob. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm coming to you from Hordenforst, from the land of the Dark and Jung mob, uh, and I also want to pay my respects to their elders. Uh, I just want to point out that it didn't take much. Once they phoned me, Dominion's lawyers, I was able to direct them in the right way so that they could uh, come to an agreement. I'm actually deathly surprised that they um, allowed in the settlement no apology. Well, yes. there was an acknowledgement, and I think that's where the two parties mm. could get to. And this is why I thought Dominion wouldn't settle or wouldn't settle easily. I never said they wouldn't settle, but I knew it would be a long road. Yeah. But to get, what was it, $785 million or something like US, that? US yeah. million dollars. Yeah, it's great. I can't wait to ask Sarah Ferguson some questions about this because I know that she's been right in the thick of it. Well, once again, let's see if you get an opportunity. <laughs> uh, let's get I'll just into it at the end. <laughs> and what a crazy 48 hours in American television it has been. NBC Universal CEO Jeff Shell, well, he's been forced out after sexual harassment claims. Don Lemon has been terminated by CNN after 17 years. But the big one, the biggest shock, is Fox News axing its biggest star, Tucker Carlson. As we record this episode, no official reason has been given, but Variety is reporting Rupert Murdoch decided he could no longer support the popular conservative pundit. The news comes after Fox News, as we just mentioned, paid Dominion Voting System $787 million to settle its defamation case. Mog, this is big, big news. 
And uh, it would seem that Mr. Carlson didn't realise that the writing was on the whiteboard because uh, there has been some excellent clips from social media go around for his closer from Friday's show. I'll see you Monday. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. all, everything was a okay. No Saw that, and yeah, he got the uh, he got the phone call. He got his DCM, and he and his producer out on their butt. And and further to that, there's been some pretty good commentary around the fact that it, that both of them would be on pretty lengthy, uh, you know, sort of no compete, can't go and work for anyone else contracts uh, clauses in their contracts. So I mean, they're not going to be out on their you know rear. They've got. Money. Carl, and Carlson, by reports, and was earning twenty million a year. Yeah, he's not a couple be of poor. years ago. He signed a new contract. You've got to imagine that was for five years. Yeah, he's not going to be poor by any stretch. But mm. thankfully, we won't be seeing him on any of our, well, any media for some time. Robbo, the way it's being reported is that Carlson found out only minutes before it was made public. He was not oh, given so cool. any heads up. It says a lot when the company won't let you do a farewell goodbye episode. Mm. It's it's actually huge. Um, Tucker Carlson wouldn't have known. Uh, and I like the fact that uh, the Variety uh, article said that they were cleaning house. And Murdoch's are known to do this. Um, mm. They do this with other people. And, and Car- uh, Tucker Carlson was still Well, Murdoch rating. did it. With the phone hacking, Robbo, he that's right. closed mm. down News of the World. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I just find it surprising, though, because uh, Tucker Carlson was still bringing in, I think, $70 million worth of advertising. That was up from the previous year. Still yeah, but it's all raking. the My Pillow guy. Doesn't it was matter. just him. Still cash, though. Um, yeah, it's cash. I, I was just really shocked that they were still going down this road of getting rid of him. Um, but. They're, they're, they're trying to clean out, I guess. Uh, I, I was shocked by it, though. I, I always thought that he would be the last one of the big ones to go. I just, I don't think it would have been tenable given what came out in the court case. Mm. Like, he essentially exposed, well, was exposed to be a fraud, wasn't believing what he was saying on air, and I don't think viewers would cop that. I also think... Hadn't affected his ratings. Yeah, but also the way he spoke about Trump, Trump was never going to go on his show again. And in Trump the did an interview with him the other week. Okay, well, in the lead-up to an election, I don't think you can have your main host. Do you know what, Ab? I, I don't think it was about any of that. I, well, what was I it even about, don't then? think it was about advertisers boycotting his show. I think there's stuff in, in during the discovery process, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't made public about his I do texts love stuff. That only the lawyers of Dominion, Fox lawyers and the senior management had seen. We don't know uh. if he was... Uh, having a go at Murdoch like he did with um, Trump. But more so, I think Rupert Murdoch is now thinking about his legacy. And there are people who think they're bigger than the brand. Bill O'Reilly thought he was bigger than the brand, and he wasn't. Fox News went on and under Tucker Carlson got bigger. Fox News, if they can find the right person, can still have the brand. You take away Fox News, you take away a major platform. It's, it, it's, you're not bigger than the company, right? Now, Tucker Carlson might be able to go and make a name for himself. or oh, he'll or, be on know, the Daily Wire as soon as he's allowed and they'll pay him a fortune. Yeah, and maybe it will work. It's not like radio where Alan Jones and Ray Hadley suddenly go from 2UE to 2GB and the audience goes with them or Carl Sanderlands mm. goes from Today FM to um, KISS. It's very, very different when mm. you take away the power and the penetration of Fox News. But I think this is about Rupert Murdoch not wanting any more legal cases and, and we know that Smartmatic is about to come up after Dominion and Murdoch 
I think he just got to the point where he was done. So apparently Lachlan Murdoch and the CEO of Fox News came up with this plan on Friday. Rupert Murdoch signed off and Monday morning he got the call that he was done, which was more than Don Lemon, who got told via his agent. Well, yeah, CNN came out and said that they gave him an opportunity to meet with management, but he decided to yeah, release the statement. after he'd been sacked. Like, Robbo, he still wasn't invited in for a meeting to get sacked. They told his agent and then said, we'll meet with him. Let's assume that's true. Yeah. Why would you go? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're inviting me in to tell me why you sacked me. Thank you so oh, much. And to pick up the cardboard box with all your stuff in it. <laughs> I love television, though. He found out through his agent. It's, it's after incredible. 17 years. Off your shoot. We don't need you anymore. Oh, I love it. I, I absolutely mm. adore it. Well, we will watch this space. Meanwhile, the entertainment industry here in Australia and around the world has been reeling over the loss of Barry Humphreys. The comedian best known for his alter egos, Dame Edna Everidge and Salaz Patterson, as you know, passed away aged 89 after complications from surgery. But among his admirers were critics as well, particularly over his views about transgender people. In fact, the Barry Award at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival had his name taken away in 2018. Longtime friend and actress Miriam Margulies came to his defence, speaking to ABC this past weekend. She labelled his critics as disgraceful and expressed her outrage at the backlash he's received. I don't think he was properly appreciated by Australia and I don't think he was properly treated, particularly by the Melbourne Festival, who cancelled him uh, rather late in life. How dare they? He'd had more talent in his little finger than they did in their whole bodies, all of them. I'm outraged by it and I want to speak up now to support him. It's not about transgender. This was an artist, a great artist, a hugely funny, talented, witty satirist, an observer of the human condition. And he was acerbic. And he was often quite nasty, but he was a genius. And sometimes you just have to accept that. My hero is Charles Dickens, who was a total bastard to his wife. Doesn't mean that he wasn't one of the greatest writers who ever lived. And Barry was one of the greatest comics who ever lived, one of the greatest satirists, one of the wisest, sharpest blokes you could ever meet. And I'm lucky that I knew him for so long, knew him as a friend knew him as someone who explained things to me, who shared things. And I'm furious at the way he was treated in Australia. I think it's disgraceful. And all these people, however clever they are, sharpen up and get to know what's really important. I didn't like his politics. I really didn't. But I revere the, the talent of the man, it was coruscating, it was all enveloping. And if people can't see that, they need something shoved up their bum. I'm not saying he was right in his politics. I told him to his face, I thought he was wrong, I didn't agree with him. But he was the greatest comic who ever lived. I think that's brilliant. It's interesting, Abby, that the Melbourne International Comedy Festival is coming out and saying, oh, we're going to find a way to pay respects to him. They've copped a lot of criticism over that after what they did taking the award name away from him. Yeah, I don't... I really like Miriam Margulies, Professor Sprout in Harry Potter, love her. But I 
completely reject this idea that because someone is talented, they are above criticism. And so mm. he was so... I don't think she's saying he's above criticism. She said anyone who's criticising him is, like, horrible and, it, like... Just because someone is talented does not excuse their behaviour. Like, in anyone, not even specifically Barry Humphreys, anyone, just because someone is talented does not mean everything else they do doesn't matter. No one is above everyone in that way. I don't care if he was the best comedian ever. He is not above criticism. And I think, yeah, I just, I I completely reject that idea and I reject the idea that he's been cancelled in any way considering the reaction that has happened this past week. See, this is a furphy that you're gobbled up from the International Comedy Festival. Both the director and Semi J have come out and said, Barry Humphreys wasn't cancelled. There's been front-page coverage of him around the world. No, he wasn't cancelled, except by the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, and they need to take responsibility for that. And if they believe in what they've done, don't backtrack. Don't don't now immortalise the guy. You took that award away from him because he said something you didn't like, Mm. and you took away the legacy of a great comedian, and now, and it broke his heart, and now you're trying to say, oh, yes, we liked him. If changing the name of an award is all it takes to take down someone's legacy, then it's not that impressive of a legacy to begin with. And two things... What a ridiculous thing to say. What? You changed the name of an award. They didn't... Like, people acted like it was the craziest thing in the world. And I do think they can still... Like, what do you want? Because you're saying... People are saying he's not being respected, and then they say, oh, we're going to do something. It's like, well, no, you're not allowed to respect him because you changed the name of an award. What do you want? Do you want them to respect him or not? They spat in his face considering he was instrumental in helping the International Melbourne Comedy Festival And he spat in the face of a community that he profited off for many, many years. He didn't profit off the transgender community. He profited off the LGBTQIA plus community, absolutely. No, he profited off doing a drag show. Yeah. That's profiting off that community. Anyway, I'll let someone else speak. But I just, yeah, I completely reject that idea that just because someone is talented, we have to ignore every bad thing they've ever done. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that for everything that he did, surely some stupid comments that I don't agree with don't define a person. No one's saying they do, but you can acknowledge it. Well, they did it. by the International Melbourne Comedy Festival. And, look, there was an interesting piece in The Age today by Sammy J, and he said he was on the board. He loves Barry Humphreys, and he was on the board. And, Robbo, what he said was that he felt that a a part of the community didn't feel included in the International Comedy Festival because of Barry's comments, and that's why he voted to remove Barry's name from that award. While I have sympathy for his point of view, anyone can be offended by anything, and especially a comedy. You know, like, comedians dish out the harshest shit. They're not exactly wallflowers. He wasn't saying it in a comedic way. Sorry, Robert. I I agree with that. I I agree with that. Yeah, uh, this worries me because I, I would like us to be able to separate the comments from the artist. Um, and I, I guess, Abby, Well, I this think... is the key question. You've just, you've just hit yes. the key question. Is a body of work defined by the personal life of the artist? I don't think it should be. I think his, his work should speak for itself and then Barry Humphreys could be a separate yep. entity there. That's what I'm thinking. So he's made those comments. A lot of people don't agree with him. Um, but that shouldn't take away from the fact of what he was and what he did. And I, I think to change the name of an award because of the comments... 
it, he made a couple of comments which I know are hurtful, but it wasn't like he went on a tirade and, and, and was always talking about this and this was his thing. He made a couple of comments that were ill-advised. Is, is that enough to then go, oh, we're going to rip this award away from you? Like you said, Rob, he privately, he was heartbroken by the fact that they had done this. Um, I, I, it's, it's difficult for me, but I think we, you should be able to separate the two. We're, we're complex creatures, aren't we? Mm. You know, in that, um, like, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Abby that the Miriam Margulies' comments, and she very clearly loved Barry as a human, and that's phenomenal and wonderful. You know, she was, we would say she was a, a peer of hers, you know, that they worked together and did all those sorts of things, um, and that she disagrees with what happened to him, as is her right, fine. I absolutely agree with Abby that you cannot just dismiss the the poor things that someone has done to gloss over them and just say, but their legacy must only be super cute, tiny, wonderful, whatever, whatever. Because then we start to have questions like we, without dragging into this, it opens up questions about Bill Cosby, Kevin Spacey, you know, even locally people like Craig McLaughlin, you know, but stuff that... When you that- go down this path, Mulk, mm. a comedian makes a bad joke on stage at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival sure. that offends people. Are they banned for life from that comedy festival? I'm not sure that it was. I think it was a comment by Barry Humphreys, the man, not the performer, mm. um, in an interview. So it wasn't him performing because I think in particularly and it was comedic to do performance... With the festival. Particularly in comedic performance, we have to give some latitude to performers and allow them to do their thing because ultimately, and particularly comedy, comedy in a 10-second bite is actually really not great, at least Australian comedy. Generically, it's built up and it's a whole show and callbacks and everything comes together. If they get to the end of it and they've said horrible things, then sure, let's talk about that. Um, I, I think that the difficulty for, for the now late Mr. Humphreys is that five years ago, he said something that a whole bunch of people thought wasn't very nice. And particularly, as Abby said, where he had profited from uh, a broad community that includes transgender people and includes drag queens, where his act was largely that, certainly what made him famous, um, they felt that they had been slighted. And it, when we dis, when we look at performing, the performing community, I won't say it's disproportionately, there's a larger number of LGBT. QIA people within the performing community. Yeah. So it's right that that conversation should take place. And the the board of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival made a decision five years ago. And, you know, I, I would hardly say it soils his legacy. It does put a tarnish on it because, yes, he was vital to getting the Melbourne International Comedy Festival up and running. And that's why they named the Top Performers Award after him. They called it the Barry. Um, and... Yet, they made a decision, the the management organising team made a decision that because of the comments that he'd made, because of his connection to the festival, because of his profile, that they could no longer, with good conscience, do that. The one thing that gets me is that there's always a group of people asking for tolerance, but they have no tolerance for others. You're talking about an ageing man who grew up in a completely different time. And so he may have some antiquated views and yet there are these young comedians demanding he be silenced and and st- stripped of any dignity by mm. having an award named after him and they do not show the same tolerance they demand they demand from others i'm i'm not 
quite sure that that's actually how it landed, Rob. And again, we're talking about an event that happened five years ago. I don't ago. know. He, the award got the, the naming and of none the of award us got the, taken oh, sure, off him. We can all agree that the, the award was renamed. None of us were in the room when the vote took place, and I can guarantee you they weren't all young comedians on the board. There were some fairly older management types that have been involved with the comedy festival for a long time that were a part of that decision. I'm not even making that point. I'm making the point that he's an older Australian, an older comedian who's That doesn't achieved allow so them to much. get away with saying horrendous things, Rob. Just because you're an older Australian doesn't mean you can be racist, You've never homophobic. had a nana who said something that you go yes, to. Yes, I have. Yeah, and I've called them out on it. Exactly the same way I was I had going my mum that was horrendously racist. Mm. It was made for some uncomfortable conversations by her hospital bed, let me tell you. Does the crime fit the punishment, though? He made two comments well, that were ill-advised This and is what I was going to say. I think it's a difficult conversation because everyone has a different line, right? And, Rob, you spoke about tolerance. Everyone has a different line mm. of tolerance. So mm. if he had murdered a family and burned down <laughs> an orphanage, whatever, would you be happy for the award name to be changed then? No. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's an extreme example. Mm. But you get my point, right? Like, everyone has a different line, there is a line of what sure. they accept. And so maybe you have a different line to what I do and what the board of that committee had and what, like, anyone else has. Everyone has a different line. So it's impossible to say whether something was objectively the right or wrong choice. But I just, I just don't agree with this notion that I've seen a lot this week where we can't criticise him because he was talented and because he's now passed away and so for some reason that means that we're not allowed to say You've had that. some very wise words there, but I do not subscribe to the theory that people can't be criticised sure. even in death. Yes, but a lot of people do. A lot mm. of people say, like, well, how can you be so disrespectful? And mm. it's just, yeah. His yeah. legacy and so on and so forth, as yeah. Ms Margulies said. Yeah. yeah, very, very wise words, Abby. Uh, we caused a bit of a stir this week at TV Black Box, reporting that millionaire hot seat might be in trouble at nine. In fact, I reported that discussions have been taking place in executive ranks after concern from nine newsrooms that the game show was not providing the big audience leading that it once did. And that is a fact. Combine that with the casting call for an Australian version of Tipping Point, which will be produced in the UK. So last Thursday, Tipping Point at a 3pm time slot was actually the 20th most watched program, drawing in 220,000 viewers. There are primetime shows that get that kind of figure. So in this article, I pointed out the fact that there are a lot of nine newsrooms upset about the figures not, uh, hot seats getting. I know that nine are looking at a replacement, but of course... Eddie's and Hot Seat's been there for a long time and a change is a big deal. Do you alienate the viewers you've already got? But the simple fact is they're looking at it. Now, I never said the show was being cancelled, although I doubt it's going to be around in 2024. All right? But I didn't say that based on what's actually happening. I was theorising. Now, the host of Hot Seat, Eddie Maguire, well, he has denied the rumours of being cancelled which at this stage he's not, and Nine have said as much, and that is true. He told the Herald Sun his May schedule was filled with back-to-back -back filming. Absolutely. He also talked about it on his podcast, Eddie and Jimmy. First and foremost, um, are you still doing the hot seat? 
because I, I read an article that you're out, and I re- everything I read in the paper, mm. you're, you're out of the hot seat? Well, I am, yes. And I'm recording in the next couple of weeks, and we've just done a deal for the back half of the year, so yes. All that's right. not right. No. All right. All right. So no. we've dealt Someone... with the hot seat, because the hot seat is important to me, because I'm right. a trivia show buff. No, no, it's on. Don't worry about that. Oh, no, good. But, so the, 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 it's a good point there. So what happened was that Nine are doing, a, they've got a show called Tipping Point, mm. okay, which is Ameri- uh, an English show. They're going over to do it. They're going to do 20 prime time tipping points because they have a contract with Tipping Point that if they don't do it, then that can be sold, and seven are keen to knock off Tipping Point. So somebody's gone, one plus one equals 30, and uh, that means Hot Seat's gone. It's not. Now, one day that will be right. One day Hot Seat will finish. They all do, but not at the moment. (laughs) Well, Eddie, I am that person where one plus one equals 30, and it doesn't, mate. I never said that the show was being cancelled this year. And there's a couple of things out of that quote. Eddie has a deal until the end of the year. I never said Hot Seat would finish in 2023. I'm tipping 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 that it won't be back in 24. But even that's just a theory. Mm. It's interesting also that Tipping Point are doing 20 episodes. Uh, yes. Is it really going to be prime time? I love Tipping Point, but I can't oh, see it in prime time. It's mate. not a prime time show. No. It's going to so kill As it. I said in that article, a stunt month where they put oh. Tipping Point mm. where Millionaire Hot Seat goes, and oh. Hot Seat's just taking a break for a month, oh. i.e., we're testing the waters. Now, of course, they're saying all that stuff to Eddie because they're hosing stuff down because they haven't put plans in place. Mm. They, they may not even know when they're airing it. But I'm telling you, I haven't said he's been cancelled this year. I'm telling you that they are actively looking for a replacement. Tipping Point is seen as the strongest program, and now they're going to get the chance to test it out with these 20 specials. It's just like the 1% Club is not a primetime quiz show, and yet it's kicking off tomorrow night on 7. Good luck to them. Um, yeah. I really can't wait to speak to Sarah Ferguson about this because I know that she'll have an opinion on Mr. <laughs> Maguire. <laughs> Mate, I don't know that we're going to have time for all that. Coming up, Foxtel set for a major change that will change the way we watch pay TV. If you've ever struggled to hear dialogue in TV and films, there's a solution that doesn't involve using subtitles. Sarah Ferguson from the 7.30 Report will join us, as Mum just pointed out, and we'll find out what everyone's been watching in the TV binge box. 
and the confronting admission you have from a priest, an abusive priest and a, a pedophile, right off the top is interesting, but then it goes on a journey that is quite unexpected. Well, y- y- yes. I mean, the, so to, to, to go to the first part of that, um, I wanted to make sure that anybody, everybody watching it knew we knew who he was, that we weren't making this with any doubts in our mind about the nature of the character. Yeah. So that when we got to the, the court scene, his trial for a, a bunch of charges, and he'd already been convicted a couple of times in the past before, but because we had felt that the trials were the part of this story about um, this crime that had been committed by by priests with the protection of the church, we were the the thing that was driving us in making the series was make, was trying to get access to the courts to see what it's like to see one of these men brought to which trial. Which you got was amazing. Which which we did, which was difficult, but it was it was it was the kind of it was the goal. But I wanted to make sure before we got into court, before we saw him in the witness box, um, you knew who he was. Um, I didn't want it to be, it, it wasn't supposed to be, did he do it, did he not do it, because he had already been convicted twice and, it, it, you know, it, it, they still had to make the case, they still had to, they, it was still a very difficult case to prosecute, as all of these cases are, but we decided we wanted to be very clear that we knew who we were dealing with from the get-go. One of the things that struck me during the court case is you've got someone who's made these full, frank admissions to you but he's still in a level of denial about what he's done. You you are so spot on because it, that he's, as you say, there is a level of, of, there is a certain willingness to talk about what he'd done, but not the whole truth. So there's mm. never, there's never a moment where he or any of the, any of the other um, abusers that we, abusive priests that we met and spoke to, there's never a moment where there is true recognition of what they've done and its consequences. In fact, it, in a strange way, um, and this was again part of the structure that we intended, he comes out with this frank admission at the beginning and then gradually it falls apart as, as the trial goes on and then as other people come into the story, actually he becomes it becomes obvious that he is even less truthful than he, than he appears to be at the beginning. It's amazing because... It was that first part where I went, oh, my God, we've got someone actually taking responsibility for their actions. Well, you've, you've absolutely nailed the whole, the, all of the debate that we went through in making a documentary, which is what every docu- documentary maker does. What you are, what you have put your finger on is the entire uh, structure, which is the 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 frank admission and then the slow unraveling of of his story to to if it's possible after that very shocking statement at the beginning is the unraveling of uh, really there's no other word for it but the depths of criminality really the depravity and the backed up by criminal acts by him and by the church yes. to cover up what he had done that it 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 actually gets worse from that very shocking opening that's right and it's an interesting documentary. I'm intrigued by the fact that you did this with Netflix, considering your association, your long association with the ABC. So it started out as an ABC project, and then and then was acquired by Netflix. So it's some, um, you know, there. Um, uh, 
it was a very interesting time. The third episode is about George Pell. He was in prison. We have a we have one of George Pell's victims um, in the third episode. Uh, Pell was in prison and then he was released. So there was a lot of, as you can imagine, there was a lot of legal. Charged. There was and it, a lot of legal hoo ha once he was released from prison. So it's it's had a it's had a it's had an interesting journey. Um, there's there's nothing straightforward about dealing with cases that are that are that are current that people are making allegations. Obviously, of people who are still alive, and in some of the cases, obviously we have trials, and in in some of the other cases, they're allegations. So it's it's about as hard legally as a story can be to get onto the screen um but you know that's that's kind of why we chose it that that level of difficulty means that you're you're in an area again of as i said before that kind of the extremes of human behavior and you know psychological complexity that that make it interesting but make it very difficult to pull off so did the abc let it go because it was just it was too difficult to tell this story no, no, so they they actually Screen Australia and the ABC um, funded it and then ran it and then and then Netflix acquired it subsequently. Right. So that's that's how it went. So okay. it had a but but the weird thing is it actually had um, um, this is the great thing about streamers and I think it's uh, I, I've actually done some interesting interviews with James Cameron and Tom Hanks recently talking about this that as a filmmaker. I'm not putting myself in the same category as James Cameron and Tom <laughs> Hanks to be very, 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 very clear, but anybody who works incredibly hard on a, on a project, and this was three times, you know, it, it, the episodes were like 75 minutes, 76 minutes. No, I think the last one's 90. So essentially it's like a kind of five, five, at least a five part series. You do all of that work and then, you get a run and then in the olden days that's it you know yes. you might get a repeat but that's it whereas the great thing about the streamers is um projects can live for a long long time and you reach a totally a totally different audience and it can have a a word of mouth life that is entirely different to anything the abc can offer so it's it's great streaming well, it's is funny you say great. that i missed it on the abc and yeah, so, I'm, I'm across a lot of tv yes and yes now that you said it was on the ABC, I do remember it being around at the time, but I just yeah. missed it. And yeah. now yeah. I've seen there it on go, Netflix see? and it's yeah, getting that get... second life you talk about. That's right, which is which for anybody involved in, in television is, is all you want is for people to see it. Yeah. So it's interesting. You've had a very interesting journey over the last few years because you obviously <laughs> went to China or were, were, were supposed to be going to, to, go China. to China. That's right. And the you Chinese. haven't ended up with China, but you've ended up with the main gig on 7.30. <laughs> so the Chinese, the Chinese wouldn't have me. So um, <laughs> when that became clear that they were not going to provide a visa, then I went to America for 18 months and then, then the job at 7.30 came up and I had to come back and do that because, you know, you just got to do that when it appears. Well, I'm on the record. When uh, Lee Sales was leaving, I actually on the TV Black Box podcast said, Sarah Ferguson is the most obvious person for the chair. Are you glad you took it? <laughs> yes, I am. And thank you for your um, vote of confidence. At I'm that, sure that's why the ABC that made that decision. I have I'm no sure doubt. I'm sure it is. I have, I have no <laughs> doubt. And were I to inquire, I know that would be the answer. But um, <laughs> no, I'm really, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, the... Um, the more I do it, the more the more the more fun it is. I mean, I've always loved interviewing people. It's like you know, some of the interviews in Revelation are, are going into prison to interview a, um, a a pedophile priest is a is a is a massive undertaking. Um, 
so I've I've always loved the challenge of very difficult, very interesting interviews. But um, doing them every day, that's that's even better. But of course, there's doing the interviews, which you're very very good at. But of course, it's different to hosting a show. It's, yes. it, there's light. There's the harder yes. side. How are you yes. finding? that transition if indeed it is a transition for you i think no i think i think it is and 730 is a different show to you know i spend a lot of my life at four corners and you know it's a it's a very different show so uh, y- you learn you learn the rhythms of of a program you don't you don't learn them overnight i had a brief stint at 730 um some years ago so i had a i had a little tiny bit of muscle memory but basically like a my little finger of my right hand but a little <laughs> bit of muscle memory um so you've got to you've got to learn the rhythms of the program and and try and understand the audience and you know understand how important accountability is but how you conduct an accountability interview how you bring the audience along with you all of those things you you have to kind of feel your way you know, like climbing a mountain with a rope at your side, you're just figuring your way to to the kind of perfect, you know, perfect performance, which of course you never, never, never make, but mm-hmm. just trying to just trying to get there. I'm I'm finding my way and I'm really enjoying it. How do you determine with a guest if you're going to go in with the hard question off the top uh, or whether you're going to Great lead question. Them in? Great question. So I have this view about television interviews, which which is completely different to radio interviews. Um they are more theatrical you know you're in a studio you're in a kind of theatrical space i like people to come into the studio as much as possible um and then they're in my space and then (laughs) uh, so i get to dictate the terms a little bit more also you can use body language to interrupt it's it's hard to interrupt in a satellite interview Mm. because they can't see you leaning in and frowning and you know starting to push you can use a little bit of you can make a sort of mm mm-hmm but that doesn't always work so i see it as a kind of you know with it, when it's a big interview there's an element of the, uh, element of theater to it so i really like the first question to set set the tone set the scene take control not every single time and sometimes you know a, a really surprising soft first question can be quite an interesting way to get people to rebalance if they think they're coming in for combat and then mm. you you go in the opposite direction but there's a few times when um i deploy the first question scene setter which i almost like to have a trumpet you know <laughs> there it comes oh please introduce that <laughs> introduce the trumpet yeah 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 so that's the, you're right the first question is um and, and when any this is a this is really kind of inside baseball but uh when people, when I discuss questions, which I do with some of my very excellent colleagues, but if anybody tries to mess with my first question, I get a little, you know, I can get a little funny about that. It's like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. As you have the right to do. <laughs> hey, congratulations on Revelation. Thank I did you. say it's a tough watch, but it's a compelling and good watch. And congratulations to you and the team because the journey you go on is truly what a documentary should do it takes you into surprising places and it's uh, a really amazing watch so congratulations on that thank you it's terrific to have the opportunity to talk about it i'm really i'm really chuffed thank you thank you thanks sarah ferguson and revelation is on netflix now thanks sarah
thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Your questions are the, just you're just you're just miles ahead of everyone. Oh, Sarah, stop <laughs> that! So, it's true. It's true. You're so good. You got it. You got it. Every single one. I'll talk to you anytime. Oh, I'll take that to the bank. What a what a very lovely thing for her to say, guys. I'm so sorry. I kept talking. I didn't give you a chance to uh, mm. to say. Just anything. before the line closes, Rob, can we just ask her about the Barry Humphreys thing? She's gone, mate. Sorry, oh. she's she was oh, very wow, quick. Mate. She knows how it works. She doesn't hang around. She's the ABC gone. ABC time for the satellite is just so limited. <laughs> uh, she's very good, isn't she? I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised that you you thought that she was a, a great. It was a great conversation. I mean, I'd suggest that you'd be having a markedly different reaction if she said you were a shit interviewer. <laughs> but... <laughs> Okay, moving on. And Foxtel Media CEO Mark Frame, well, he's indicated that down the line, Foxtel could become a streaming-only company. Just four years ago, less than 10% of Foxtel's base were streaming customers. Now it's close to 70%. With Binge, KO and Flash, 3 million of the 4.4 million Foxtel subscribers are subscribed to those streaming services. Although, let's be honest, it's not through Flash. Speaking to Mumbrella, <laughs> Frayne said, if you look at the destination we're on, it's kind of highly likely in the future. Mop, this makes sense. Foxtel won't be a linear service. It will be a streaming service. Binge and KO are doing great. Flash is, what, 15,000 subscribers it's got? Everyone loved and they get a personally signed Christmas card from Mr. Frayne. <laughs> um, look. Knock me over with a feather, Rob. The minute that Foxtel introduced the IQ5 as having either a satellite receiving function or a streaming receiving function, the writing was on the wall for that very expensive infrastructure that is up there in the near space and all those satellite dishes on people's walls. Um, Now, obviously, that couldn't happen without the NBN, such that it is. Uh, any, Any business that wants to maintain its footprint in, in the industry, and certainly Foxtel have stepped into it far deeper than than uh, its commercial rivals, needs to be streaming, needs to be prioritising its streaming platform. And, like, the deal that it that Telstra's now done with Fetch will bring Binge and KO and Flash to its platform, which only stretches its ability to, to get to market. I think that Binge and KO are great products, though the apps could do with some work. Yeah. Um, the content they're delivering is excellent. Uh, and and I think that as someone who uses an IQ5 with the streaming function, not the satellite function, it's it's robust. It is easy to use, and like it's not even the future. It's like the right now for Foxtel. No question. Well, I've got it. So the little device I've got, I don't know if it's called Foxtel Now or Foxtel Go, but it's a it's a little um, cylinder, little puck thing. Sorry. The little puck thing. Well, it's 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 a cylinder. It sits next mm-hmm. to the TV, but it delivers via the internet, and it means I can watch anything on demand, or I can watch the Foxtel channels live. So it's yeah, that's a Foxtel now right. thing that they released when they launched that yeah, service, and it's brilliant. It, it's genuinely brilliant. Yeah. It does everything I need. The benefit for the IQ five is that it, if you well, if you buy it with the recording feature, don't start me. Um, even if you're streaming, you can record live TV onto it. So the IQ5, the latest iteration of their set-top box, can be plugged into your Wi-Fi or connected to your Ethernet at home, into your your NBN, and you can record that streamed service, which is great. And we, like, we use it to watch Gogglebox. We use it for a whole bunch of things at our place. But the fact that streaming is such a big part of Foxtel's business so quickly 
is absolutely a reflection of where we as the market are and every other media company in Australia would be wise to follow suit. Yeah, I agree. Well, subtitle use has been rising in popularity, but could that all be about to change? Amazon has announced a new feature for select Prime Video Originals. Now, it allows viewers to boost the volume of dialogue alone, isolated from other background sounds. While this was developed for hearing impaired viewers, studies around subtitle use have indicated that audio mixing is a factor for audiences And 40% of Netflix customers use subtitles all the time. Abby, I know you're a big subtitle user. Will this make you switch them off? Uh, I don't think it will. I just, I love subtitles. I like seeing every single word that's being said. I also am noticing now that I've become really dependent on them. So if I watch something that doesn't have subtitles, I really struggle. And so I think I've just adjusted to using them and it doesn't bother me at all. I know some people don't like having it on. So I kind of see no reason for me to ever stop using them. But I do love this idea. I think it's common to think, well, so for us, subtitles is like a privilege, right? It's just like a nice addition. But for a lot of people, it's a real, real necessity. And You're so not getting I think, rid of subtitles. No, no, I know. But I'm saying I think this move of having an option to boost the isolated dialogue is a great step towards improved accessibility, and I think that's really, really good. Well, I will only go to subtitles if I can't hear the dialogue. Mm. I mean, Robbo, I don't know why they can't just get the mix right. I don't know what they're mixing for. Maybe it's surround sound Dolby 2.0 that I don't have set up in my lounge room. I don't know. Mm. But just make the the dialogue audible. Well, I read an article about this, uh, what was happening in Hollywood. So the problem is is actors are being too um, actory and mm. they're often delivering <laughs> their lines. Like the and it's actually a big yeah, problem, yeah. the mumbling. It's mm. a huge problem uh, because to be taken seriously and if you're, you're doing a dramatic role, there's going to be a lot of mumbling yeah. about it because <laughs> you're going The crazy thing, Robbo, is in real life, if someone went, you go, what? You know? <laughs> no, I know, no, I know. And the other problem was is that um, audio people are not giving enough time on set and it's always been a bugbear, but it's still continuing and it's getting worse apparently with the influx of streaming, with all of the shows that are happening in production. Um, audio is just not getting enough time. now. Mm. What, to do um, the recording? That's right, on set. So there's this big article talking to yeah, a lot wow. of um, mm. industry people. So it was, the, it was the actors mumbling, but also just not the time to get the reshoots. Mm. They would reshoot it, but not enough time to get the audio. So all of this is contributing to what we're all experiencing across TV and film, and that is it's hard to understand, putting the subtitles on. Will putting the volume up, change that possibly a little bit but if you're still mumbling because you're an actor <laughs> and you're still not getting enough time because you're in audio it's still a mixing issue to me if they if they're isolating the dialogue track which mm. they've done for a couple of three or four amazon originals that means that the audio is um clear yeah. They're just mixing it low with all the other sound effects like music and everything yeah 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 which of course is also another problem but um, I do know that audio is nowhere near the kind of whinges that editors are, um, but I just thought I'd put that in there. I do know that editors are they're right. the kings. They're the tops. Well, I mean, you, you know what I always say about it, Rob, and that's... I'll take that as a comment. Oh, that was beautiful. All right, let's open the binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Abby, what have you been watching? Um, so I spoke about it a few weeks ago, but I was waiting until the entire series was released to finish it, and that was, well, to, like, watch it all from the beginning, and that was Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, How'd it go? Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Loved the book. Um, they made a few changes, obviously, as they do with any adaptation, um, but nothing that really 
piss me off too much. Based on your recommendation, I am going to go and watch that. Love it. Also recommend reading it. And Ben will hear it. all about how much you loved it too. Like, oh, <laughs> He'll recommend it to you. Show. He'll say, you should watch Jason the show. Jason the Six, I want to recommend it to you. <laughs> so true. It's so, so true. true. Um, and the other one I've been watching this week is season four of You, which has been out for a while now. Um, I watched the first three seasons as they each came out, but it just... I don't, it just doesn't get me. And so I kind of mm-hmm. hesitated on season four and then the other day decided to put it on. I think what bothers me is it's fine and like it's kind of exciting and there's some good twists and whatever, but it feels very lazy because I would say 75% of the show is his internal monologue. Like it's not conversations, it's what he's thinking. So it just feels really lazy because there's no need to like, demonstrate anything like he'll just say I'm really angry at this person rather than him like acting as if he's angry you know what I mean like it just mm. it just but feels- interestingly people don't do that they'll think oh I'm angry with this person but on, on the outside they're smiling just like I do here every week at TV Black Box. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yes sure but it, yeah it's just uh, it's just not getting me um I think there's one more season there's one more season after this that hasn't been made yet but is coming out so I'll probably stick with it and finish it off um but yeah it's all right you give TV shows much more of a chance than I do. I, I'm literally the person who stopped Picard halfway through a scene. <laughs> we know, Rob, you've told that. us three weeks running. Wow. Robo. Um, I've been rewatching the uh, the last season of Succession. I love this Excellent. show. It is a brilliant show. I have show because... missed the Succession bandwagon. Oh, yeah, get, on it, get on it now. Get on, it now. get on it now. Get on it. It's only four seasons when it'll be finished. That's right. Because okay. uh, when's the when's the next season coming out? It's end of April now. Isn't season four is out yeah. right uh-huh. now and it's airing and this is the final. Yeah. I know it's the final. And I think okay. it's time for the final. I love the show, but I, I'm looking forward to the wrap-up, mm. um, which I think is good. I'm surprised that you've gotten this far just in the life of popular culture and not missed the massive spoiler that was a couple <laughs> yeah, of weeks even ago. Even I, I saw that. Oh, I, I haven't seen that I either. wonderfully haven't. I, yeah, 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 I make sure I, I met Robo because he's in the universe. Uh, so I appreciate Rob, you haven't gone there yet. But no, I, for Robo to be going succession, succession, mm. and not know what happens, no, no, no. I always make a very big effort about removing myself. So I, if I see any articles of succession, I don't read it. Mm. I don't watch it. I don't want to know what's happening. Uh, but that's what I've been doing. So just rewatching that, getting ready right. for season four. It's a brilliant show. Get on it. You know, it's five season, episodes into season four. Yeah, well, I thought it was at the end of April. So I'm glad I would have timed this better. But uh, I'll get right onto it. <laughs> Great. Um, and Good work. can't wait. I've missed some finales this week because I've been really, really busy, so I'm hoping to catch up on those soon. But I have managed to watch Totally Completely Fine on Stan. Oh, that girl's voice. I really love this show. I think it's a cracker. It gets you from the beginning. It takes you on a great journey. Um, My family, because I watched a couple of episodes with my wife and my eldest daughter, and they said to me, well, if you're too busy, we're going ahead without you. So you've got to find time to watch it on your own. So I've nice. been left be- I've literally been left behind. I've been dumped out on the road, they've driven off, and I'm there trying to run and catch up. That's disgusting. That's my life. Mm. I mean that's seems normal. <laughs> you would never do that. <laughs> and I am also I just want to shout out to Gogglebox on ten and Foxtel. I still think it's a great show. Um I I get a bit worried that the people are playing that they're trying to find their line that to get in for the show, but I st- mm. it's still enjoyable TV. What do you mean? Final episode for season seventeen this week, Robert. Okay, cool. What I mean is that they they've gone from just natural reactions to uh, trying yes. to come up with the line that they know will be used. Right, got you, got you. 
Yeah. I agree with that. I think there's a- Or trying to give them a line to hit the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a very big difference, or that is the big difference, between the British version and our version. The British version still mm. seems to hold a lot of that natural reaction as if they're watching it, whereas the Australian version, I've always found, is looking for the line, Rob. I well, agree that's with authentic, you. authentic, yeah. Mm. Yeah. They, mm. yeah. I'll offer, having met some of the goggle boxes at various events, that I think there's two camps when it comes to them, Rob. There's those that are doing exactly that. They've got, you know, they're watching the show and, oh, we'll say this line and that'll whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then there's just those that give you their general sure. natural yep. reaction. And that, in part, is what keeps... Like, Gogglebox is a show that myself, my wife, and my two teenagers all have to watch together. And heaven forfend if I jump ahead and yep. watch an episode without them. I'll get in so much trouble. It's delightful fun. Uh, and a big shout-out to my great new friends, Lee and Keith. They're fabulous every week. And on that note, what have you been watching that wasn't Gogglebox this week? Um, heaps, Rob, but I'll, 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 I'll give you one and then I'll give you guys a choice on my second Ooh. one. <laughs> Which means he's going to list a couple so that we know what he's been watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I fell for it. I thought it was just a bit of right fun. Me. <laughs> the Mandalorian season three finished up in the last week on Disney Plus. Without and spoilers. I, was it good? Um, yeah, no, no, no spoilers. You know, the fact that he flies off to space never to return again, like Poochie <laughs> in The Simpsons. Um, it's, it's just great drama set in the Star Wars universe. Mm. I know that Andor has received a whole bunch of plaudits and I cannot wait for season two of it next year. Uh, but the dependability of the character development of the the work that John Favreau and um, uh, old mate, uh, oh, mate, he was even in the last episode. Um, Darth Vader. Have poured into, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's a human Yoda. being oh. that, thanks, um, <laughs> that have poured into this franchise to help make it you know, be what it is. I've loved it, Mark. Love it. I've genuinely yeah, loved it's it. Been so I just great. haven't seen the finale. Can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah, well, it'll be great. Can yes, you Abby. watch it having never watched anything in the Star Wars universe? I reckon you can. Y- yes. I, I think there it are stands payoffs. Alone. Okay. There are payoffs that you get if you're a Star sure. Wars nut. But if you go in at episode one, season one, and watch from there. Okay, I might do that. It's it is a great story. Basically a space gunslinger western. It's and, in fact, the first episode is really captivating. Mm-hmm. Like, it mm-hmm. really introduces you to The Mandalorian really well. So, The Mandalorian has ended. And good news um, that it has been renewed, though um, Lucasfilm have come out to say that uh, the Ahsoka series that is about to start, the Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian, will all finish in a single film that will end on, that will air on Disney Plus in a few years that's time. That's cool. So, I haven't watched one of those. Well, you're going to have to. Well, guess to. what that is, Rob? That's making you <laughs> yeah, watch it. Yeah, I love it, that. So that mm, that's fun. I'm actually excited for that. I'm now going to do that. Mm, it's like the Avengers. your second one, Mulk? So I'm going to give you the option. I can, I can, I can uh, rave about something Ooh. or I can be mediocre about something or I can just shit on something. Shit, shit on something. Shit, shit, <laughs> Wow, you people. <laughs> We're all about positivity here. <laughs> I watched the first two episodes of the One Percent Club. Uh oh, it's not great. It, now it doesn't look great. The from game, the promos, the game component is actually really fun and really smart. The thing that makes it not work, and it's because there is a lot of him, is the host Jim Jeffries. Now, he's an Australian comedian who's living in America and doing great business over there. Somebody thought, let's get Jim to come in and sort of do a bit of trash talk with the contestants and, um, you know, lean into that. 
he, he just has no business having a microphone in front of him <laughs> in a game show context. There's no charisma. Oh. There's no energy. It's he's just well, he's his whole demeanor is laid back. Mm. But Mog, I saw I saw something today that. They've done something with the Aussie version they don't do in the UK. Is it more stand-up, more interaction? There's something they said they put more in in the Australian show. Gosh, well, I don't know what it would be. I haven't seen the UK version. Jeffries holds court in the centre of this amphitheatre of contestants, uh, and it's only when they get down to the final four or five do they come out of their seats down into the the you know the center with him the thing that struck me as weird and i would have thought that from a lighting point of view this would have been a no-brainer lights on everyone and then when they get it wrong their lights go out so that you can see it might look a bit spotty but he's having conversations with people that are sitting in pure dark or you know dull blue or red light that you can barely see them it just it just also made for a really weird mm. interaction now look some people may watch it and love the one percent club with jim jeffries Go with God, friends. Have a great old time. <laughs> it starts Wednesday this week. So I think the night that this will have come out, 7.30 on 7. And, of course, you can catch up on 7 Plus should you choose. I recommend that you put it back in its box and send it back to its <laughs> manufacturer because it is shit. Well, I've got to say the promos for that look shit. But the promos, to give some balance, for mm. Million Dollar Island look phenomenal. Can and I make I a correction? Really wait for this I... show. I I made um, I made a goof a few weeks ago. I said that I had seen the promos for Million Dollar Island and it looked terrible. I was like, it sucks. I hate it. It was actually the summit, and I apologise. I have not actually <laughs> seen the promos for Million Dollar Island, and I really really shat on it. I'm sorry. Well, thank you for being honest about that. Mo, was it you who yes. was not convinced this show would get up? Oh, no, I don't yeah, think this any jury of us. is still I very did. out on Million Dollar. No, Million, Island. it's not going to rate. Nah. Mate, it looks yeah. amazing. This looks yeah. like if you love Survivor, and mm. it's not Survivor just because it's on an island, but <laughs> what I'm saying is that it just looks like people are being traitors to each other and the like. Uh, uh, the promo that oh, the they the game, put yeah. out there is amazing. Here's the problem, though, Rob, and, and unfortunately, and I don't want to bag on Seven. Seven have form on this. Great promos that do not deliver or even represent what the show's about. And I'll give you a great example. It starts tonight. It's called Accused. It's an American, as it turns out, anthology law crime series where you follow a person who is accused into a, a, a lawsuit, into a court case, but the promos make it look like the whole series is about this one case featuring Michael Chiklis from The Shield. And <laughs> it is like, just, here's one episode. Pro- and, and look, I've worked for seven promos in the past. Sure. And I'm guilty. The promos are just there to get you to the front door. The show then has to hold you. Yeah, well, the problem for a whole bunch of people will be, they'll go, hang on, it wrapped up in an hour. What? I was expecting a whole series on this. Mm-hmm. Then people work it out, and then there'll be a promo yeah, to get you. They to won't next be happy week. with the second but episode, and it's not—it's an American buy-in, right? They're not. This isn't Seven's production. Anyway, million dollar minute, and and you know I can I like usually it. see past the bullshit of a promo. <laughs> Looks a million so dollar excited Island for million dollar, million dollar minute. minute. I can't wait. Oh, that was a great oh, show. There was a show called Million yeah. Dollar oh, Minute. Simon reposted. It was a long Simon time reposted. Ago. <laughs> Bloody hell, my brain. <laughs> Million Dollar Island. All Speaking right. of seven promos, Rob. Yes, that brings us to the end of tonight's TV blood books. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I love TV blood books. <laughs> yeah, my, TV it's my favourite podcast That's every week. That's the Swedish version. Hello and 
Welcome no, to TV Box. Don't encourage him to do accents. <laughs> there you go. We forgot to ask Sarah what she was binge boxing. Oh, what a shame. She's gone, oh. mate. Come on. I know, but it's, you, you caught yourself an interviewer, McKnight, and you missed the prime opportunity to find out what the doyen of Australian current affairs oh, is hang watching. on. She's listening live. She just sent me a text saying, oh, Listening live. <laughs> It's strange we don't normally broadcast live when we record. She sent me a text saying that she loves Married at First Sight. She's watching it on tape. It's a bit late, yeah. She is doing a great job of it, too. I I could not think of a funny show. Anyway, (laughs) she could have said Million Dollar Minute, mate, after all of that. That brings us to the end of TV Black Box. (laughs) Abby Mickelson, thank you for your company. David Robinson and, of course, the viewers' advocate, Mulk. I'm Rob McKnight. And for all the latest TV news, go to tvblackbox.com.au. It's where people in the TV industry get their news. <laughs> I thought yeah, you were going to be a song. Yeah, yeah I was going to break into a song. <laughs> it's where. It's going to be like a young talent time. Everyone has to say it with, with him. Maybe I could. It's where people in the TV industry <laughs> okay, get their no, news. End it. Wrap Good it night, up. Australia. Wrap it up. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I really did think. Yeah, you're going to break into song. <laughs> That's the way he started. So far off the rails. (laughs) Can someone get Sarah Ferguson back in here? Can't. She's gone. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.